Welcome to another Infographic Instant with Brian Michael. In this episode, we'll be looking at which markets hold the greatest promise for shadow banking. Before we start talking about the infographic, we should think about two important concepts which will determine the attractiveness of these markets for shadow bankers. In the complementarity view, uh, this sees traditional banking and shadow banking as complements. Thus, uh, for countries like South Africa, China, and Russia that, that already have well-developed domestic credit markets, if shadow banking serves as a complement to formal banking, uh, topping up, for example, lines of credit, or expanding even further, then we would expect these markets to hold the greatest promise. The second view, that of substitutability, sees that shadow banking uh, serves as a substitute for formal banking. This is often the story portrayed in the popular media, where people say that shadow banking represents a risk to formal banking sectors because uh, companies and even households, they go around formal uh, lending organizations in order to secure relatively unregulated loans. So with these two views of the financial system in our mind, let us look at the data. The uh, infographic shows domestic credit to the private sector expressed as a percent of GDP. And what we're looking at, we're looking at that percent of domestic credit as the green bars, and we're also looking at the percent of firms with a line of credit in the black boxes above each bar. So, for example, those countries that have the greatest domestic credit to the private sector include South Africa, China, Russia, and Chile. Uh, that's, that suggests very large consolidated uh, banking organizations, which in fact we do see uh, simply walking around some of the larger cities in these countries. And on the other side of the scale, we see Indonesia, Mexico, Argentina having relatively low domestic credit to the private sector. Um, in, some, in some ways, this is in Singapore, for example, uh, this can be explained by the size of Singaporean GDP. Uh, in Indonesia, on the other hand, in Mexico, it simply represents relatively underdeveloped financial institutions. Now, which of these countries should shadow bankers target? Well, naturally that depends on whether you take a complementarity or substitutability view of shadow banking. And so to help us with with understanding which view might be the correct one, we show the percent of firms with a credit line. Naturally, firms would want credit lines in order to expand and in order to deal with unanticipated expenses. Even if uh, a firm has plenty of working capital, nonetheless, it always makes sense for these firms to have some kind of standby letter of credit and so forth. So companies that don't have this credit, it would seem, are credit constrained. And looking at the data, we see a very fair amount of credit constraints all across what we have called the emerging dozen. Uh, even in relatively developed markets like South Africa and uh, to a lesser extent China, 
we see only less than 30% of firms having uh, access to these credit lines. On the other hand, we see countries like, uh, like Turkey, like Brazil, uh, India, almost half of these companies have access to credit, which suggests that maybe aspiring shadow bankers might have less green pastures in these economies. But in general, stepping back and looking at the broad picture, we can see that almost all of these economies would present reasonable opportunities for shadow bankers to be. The dotted red line shows the OECD average for domestic credit to the private sector. And we can see that most of these countries fall well below this dotted red line. That suggests that there's plenty of room still to absorb shadow banking assets and thus still plenty of room for aspiring and current shadow bankers to grow. This has been another Infographic Instant with Brian Michael.